Hello and you're very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. My name is Sarah Travers, I'll be your host and throughout this series I'll be speaking with local entrepreneurs, business owners and senior executives to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and crucially find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember, keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well, a real treat for you today. I'm joined in the studio by Brian Donaldson, CEO of the Maxall Group. Brian, you're very, very welcome to the podcast studio. Thank you, Sarah. Looking forward to having a chat. Well, before we begin, I'm going to give a little bit of background on Brian and the Maxall Group. Brian was appointed Chief Executive in 2016. He actually joined the company in 1986 as a graduate trainee he's worked his way to the top through many different roles over the years that I'm sure we'll hear about. Brian serves as a founder director and member of the Northern Ireland Oil Federation. He's been instrumental in raising the standards and profile of the local oil distributor and retail market, together with lobbying local politicians and Westminster on retail service station matters relating to fuel duty tax and planning. He's currently a member of the CBI Council in Northern Ireland and chair of the CBI EV Working Group. Now, you will know the name Maxall. Everyone on the island of Ireland will know the name Maxall. But the award-winning Maxall Group is Ireland's leading family-owned four-court convenience retailer. The business, which was established in Ireland in 1920 by William McMullen, markets a comprehensive range of oil and petroleum products to all sectors of the market across the island of Ireland through retail, lubricants and fuel card divisions and continues to grow under the ownership of the Macmillan family. Maxall is a key contributor to the Irish economy as it carries out all its activities exclusively on the island of Ireland and in 2022, Maxall reported sales of over 877 million euro and employs directly or indirectly over 1,200 people here. Now, Brian, that's a big old introduction to the Maxall group. And you're not the McMullen family, but we just wanted you to come in because... This is a story of entrepreneurship that has grown legs, arms and everything else and is surviving a lot of changes in what you do. But first of all, give us a little bit of a background into who you are. Okay, well, look, thank you very much indeed for the opportunity to come along and talk about the business. Um, It's a 102-year-old business. Uh, It's it's been a privilege to work for the McMullen family really since 1986, as you said. Uh, Look, I come from humble beginnings, as much did the McMullen business when it started way back in the early 1915-1916. I'm originally from County Down. Uh, My accent may have been slightly changed due to my spending a lot of my time in Dublin. Uh, But look, I come from my parents. My mother was a farmer's farmer's daughter in County Down, and my dad was originally from Newton Arts, and uh, he was in car sales, as he was in selling agricultural machinery. So a little bit of farming, a little bit of business in the background. And and I suppose that's what sets your scene in terms of your work ethic. You know, anyone who works on a farm or had to play a part on a farm early starts, hard work, and you've got to love the outdoors, which I do. Uh, So look, that was really my grinding. Uh, So I really am a county down boy. 
who actually married a girl from County Antrim, Alison, and, and I have a super daughter, Jessica, uh, who I'm very proud of. So, look, I'm, I have some interests. Uh, I wasn't the strongest academic. Uh, I liked sports. I liked golf. My dad taught us to play golf from a very early age. Uh, we originally played Mihi Island uh, in County Down. And uh, I liked football. I liked rugby. And, indeed, I liked hockey as well. Um, so, today... I don't do very many sports. You don't have time to do very many <laughs> sports because you are the CEO of an ever-changing and evolving Maxwell Group. And as you said there, you know, you actually celebrated 100 years in business in 2020. And normally we have people who've, you know, been the entrepreneur, but, you know, the family have handed the reins over to you, if you like, as the CEO. But you started in 1986 with them. Yeah, I'm the second non-family member to be CEO uh, and the first person from Northern Ireland to be asked to be CEO. So it's a great privilege and a great honour. Uh, my boss was Tom Noonan, who was the first CEO outside of the McMullen family. Um, so the McMullen structure is, is they're very hands-on in the business uh, and they bring in a senior executive team in which to oversee the business. And there are very clear lines of governance and very clear lines of reporting. Uh, we have monthly board meetings and each of the departments report on their progress and, and where the investments are actually being made. But look, as you mentioned, I, I came in in 1986 completely green. Um, you know, what they teach you in university isn't really what happens at the coalface. No. Uh, lots of books and, and lots of text, but until you actually roll up the sleeves and actually meet people, you then start to navigate different paths to what you may have been told to approach in terms of textbook learning. So whenever I joined in, in late, I think it was early October 1986, they took on two graduate trainees. Uh, one came from Queen's University and one came from myself from Bradford University over in Yorkshire. Um, so my background was finance and marketing. Uh, so my first project was working with Queen's University. Uh, that was going out and talking to our customers. What do you like about us? What don't you like about us? You know, what products would you like to see us bring into our stores and what other services would you like to see uh, offered uh, within our company-owned network? So it was very grassroots learning. And, and from that, I was fortunate enough to get through my probationary period because uh, there were quite strict rules and you had to work particularly hard. And also you had to fit the culture. Culture is, is, is absolutely critical within our business. This is how you, what values do you have and how are you going to behave and how are you going to treat people and how are you going to look after people. But also that word respect and dignity is lied, uh, is a very, very big value within our business. And, and that was grinded into me from, from 1986 uh, until present day. And I count myself to be very fortunate because uh, I've held so many different roles within the group. Uh, you know, I originally started as a trainee, moved into be a regional manager. They then promoted me to troubleshooter and then network manager and then general sales manager. And then I had the great opportunity of starting to work all Ireland. And that was in a time when there wasn't such peace on the island of Ireland. Oh, so absolutely. That, that so was had its challenges travelling up and down the road every day over the border. Yes, and until you got that motorway and until you got that bypass... Uh, from Yuri, it was a long journey, and yeah. it was a pretty tiring journey. But to be honest, I always love business, and I love the people that I, I work for and the people that I work with. So I've, I count myself very lucky. I, I moved into group marketing manager in mid-1990s, and that just opened the island of Ireland. And uh, you know, Ireland was, 
was investing, it was growing, and yeah, we had the, the mm -hmm. Celtic Tiger, you might remember. Do indeed, it growled, and it's growling again, isn't yes. it? Yeah. It is, so look, it's great to work on the island of Ireland, and people have the same values, they work very hard, very strong work ethic, and people take a great pride on what they do, whether it's the north of Ireland or in the south of Ireland. And as a business, we've changed and evolved, as you would expect, mm. uh, because we've had many different challenges, not just from regulation, but also when you operate on an island, which is two different jurisdictions, you have different sets of regulations, you have different VAT rates, you have different customs, you have different currencies. So there's lots of things that you have to get your head around. And, uh, you know, one might remember Brexit. Yep. And also, like in the early days, whenever there was differences on, on fuel duties in Texas, there was a very big challenge in terms of laundered, washed fuels and how we as a business actually dealt with that. So, look, it's been very, very interesting for me. And, and, and some of the highlights would be when you're working in, mar in marketing with the opportunity way back in early 2000 to work with Marks & Spencers, with Argos, and with many other blue-chip companies that you would be a pride to be associated of. But I think, for me, for them to want to work with us also echoes the kind of qualities and values that we have as a business that people like to partner with and collaborate with. You mentioned a number of challenges. What do you say has been the greatest challenge for you? I think that's a good question. Look, in each, in each decade, there's always been a big challenge and a different challenge. Look, in the last three years, we've just come through a pandemic. So I'd have to say that's been one of the, the biggest challenges for any business and indeed for our business because we were classified as a central retail, which meant we had to adapt extremely quickly in terms of how do we keep our staff safe? How do we keep our customers safe? And how do we keep our customers coming back? Uh, and obviously within the first lockdown, fuel volumes dropped by about 65, right. 70%. Nobody uh, could go anywhere except for the essential journeys. Yeah, but also it's a matter of keeping all your colleagues and all your retailers up to date and to support them. So the first thing we did, we, we spoke and wrote to every one of our retailers, we're in this together and we're going to work with you and we're going to support you through this. Because like ourselves, our retailers were extremely concerned about their own health and well-being and mm. indeed their staff of and course. their customers. So being a family business, we are very much... Our approach is to be open and direct and honest with people. And there are things we can do and there are things that we can't do. But the COVID pandemic was one of the biggest challenges for our business and indeed for, for many businesses. But as with many other businesses, it turned out to be an incredible business opportunity. And that was because you did it right. Yes, I think so. Look, there's been a massive amount of solidarity built up between our retailers and, and all of their customers. Our business model is built around communities. You know, a, a large number of our service stations are, are within neighbourhoods. Now, those might be neighbourhoods with residential or it might be like commercial, but these are customers who visit us twice or three times a day. And, and so we became their lifeline. And you may have experienced it yourself. Going to the larger supermarkets, you may not have felt as safe and you probably felt more vulnerable Coming into our stores, which were highly regulated in terms of the number of people who were allowed in, we had all of the screens, we had all of the sanitation stations, but also we had the goods. Our on-shelf availability was, was second to none. 
And that comes down to our partners, you know, SPAR, the Henderson Group in Northern Ireland, and in the Republic, we partner with BWG Foods. And we were able to work hand in glove uh, to deliver first class service. And I suppose if anybody's been hiding under a rock and doesn't know the business model or, or perhaps has filled up their cars, popped in and bought something, but never really understood how it worked, it would be good to kind of tell us what is the business model? Business model is very simple. Uh, that's the first thing I think in business, you've got to keep it simple. We're very much a people's business. Uh, the properties that we own, there's about 116, 117 company-owned service stations, which we license out, and we license those out to independent retailers who we believe have some of the best entrepreneurial skills and flair that are out there. And they employ people for the local community to serve people from the local community. So it's very much people, people, people. And, and that's our model. Uh, you know, we invest in the land, we invest in the bricks and mortar, we invest in the equipment, and we maintain it. And, and, and we work very closely with our retail partners. And I think that's been the, one of the biggest difference to our business model compared to our competitors. A lot of their networks are directly managed. And I'm not saying that that's the wrong way to run a business, but the model that we prefer at this moment in time is in working with independent retailers, uh, and it's served us extremely well. And do you feel that, um, especially in the last three years, that that belief and support that you provided is what makes it work? Yes, I think it's like anything in terms of a relationship. You have to be honest, you have to be open, and you have to take the good times and the bad times. And as a family business, we have a longer term view than some of the PLCs. And, you know, in my time, 37, 38 years in this business, we've seen some of the biggest global multinationals come and go out of Ireland. And we're still here. And that means we must be doing something right. Uh, we never lose a run of ourselves, which I think is a very important thing. You know, no matter how good the economy is, we'll always be measured in terms of the level of investment or the level of risk that we're prepared to take. Um, and that comes from the board, the family. Uh, you know, in terms of saying good times, bad times, like our business has been through two wars. You know, we've seen the crisis in the 1970s. We've seen COVID. We've seen Brexit. There's been many, many things that we have seen through, uh, you know, within our long history. Well, let's turn to the other big elephant in the room, if you like. Um, fuel, renewables, uh, fossil fuels are going to be gone. We're looking towards EV, electric vehicles. What does that mean for the future of service stations? And, and I've been asked this for about the last five years. Our view is that we're already trans, transitioning already. Uh, you know, whenever I joined in, in 1986, it was all about fuel volumes. And in those days, it was gallons, wasn't even litres. Mm. Uh, today, we talk more about our coffee business. You know, we launched our own coffee brand in the South in, in, in 2018 called Rosa. We focus very much on our food service, freshly prepared sandwiches with local ingredients from local suppliers. And we create very, very nice stores in which people can come and enjoy and relax and to be able to get their weekly shop or their basket shop for top-up shopping. So we're talking convenience of the highest quality. Very much so. And I think Ireland on the global stage is seen as one of the leaders, one of the innovators in terms of roadside retail convenience. And the reason why that is, it's very simple. We only have 5 million people in the Republic of Ireland and about 1.6, 1.7 in Northern Ireland. So we have got much tighter economies of scale. We have to work harder. 
We have to bring in more products, more services to make sure those businesses remain viable. And look, in my time, engines have become much more efficient, so they use less fuel. Despite the car park growing, they still use less fuel. And to go back to your question on transitioning to cleaner fuels, we absolutely get that. And the industry is investing very heavily in biofuels and also in terms of how we reduce the amount of fossil content. And technology and advanced fuels, there's much more to come, certainly over the next 10 to 15 years. But to go back to your question, in the south of Ireland, there's 2.25 million internal combustion engine vehicles. At the moment, there's probably less than 100,000 full battery electric vehicles. Mm. In Northern Ireland, there's about 1.1 million internal combustion engine vehicles. And there's probably less than 20,000, 25,000 EVs. So there's a long way to go. So you're saying we'll still be using whatever fuel, but something will be still going in yes. that, that people will buy at a pump? Yes, I think the energies that we sell will change. Uh, we will have a range of advanced fuels on the forecourt. We will sell electricity, which we're already selling, and I'll tell you more about that shortly. Hydrogen, I think, will develop within the next 10 years, and I see hydrogen really being the fuel for HGVs, for aviation, for shipping, for, for large trains, because I just don't see the battery technology getting there. Um, and sure, it might go back to Dieselgate. Mm, controversial. So I know you don't have a, a crystal ball, but you will have been doing a lot more gazing in this area because, you know, there's a lot of livelihoods at risk. There's a huge business that's working well. Um, do you believe in transitioning? Very much so. Uh, absolutely. Like we, we are the first company on the island to open the first ultra-rapid EV hub. And we opened that in Kinnaker and County Down last December. And this was very much an innovation hub for us. We put in a 50-kilowatt charger, two 150 chargers, and a 200-kilowatt charger. And that was so we could understand the behaviours of those early adopters. Our view is EV hubs need to be beside a very strong convenience store need lots of parking, you need really good food service, but you also need the traditional forecourt as well. And it's been the blueprint for us. We're opening another one in Braid River in Ballymena in October. We're opening another one in Newbridge in Kildare, and we're opening another one in Ballycool in North Dublin before the end of November this year. What if everybody starts using public transport? To be honest, I use the train from Dublin to Belfast quite a bit, and it does get quite frustrating in terms of being stuck to certain times and also in terms of the reliability of that service. Yes, public transport will have a part to play in terms of reducing, let's say, travelled miles. But from our point of view, and because a large part of the population in Ireland is rural, people will still always want to have that convenience and flexibility in terms of their own transport. In terms of the Maxwell story and indeed the McMullen family, there's real evidence of pivot and change and diversifying all the way through. Is it correct that whenever you started out, it was it was for um, lighting lamps and kerosene? Or what did you use in the, in the lamps back in the day? It was daisy oil. It was paraffin. Paraffin. And benzol was the grey that was brought in during the war because petrol was rationed and was used really for, for fighting the war. So, look, we've always had to pivot. We've always had to adapt. And I think our view is that the thing with change is it's happening more quickly now. Uh, and that's being driven by technology, but it's also being driven by changes in, in consumer preferences. And we as a business, you know, Ireland is a leader in terms of, of food service and, and roadside retail. 
But that doesn't stop us going to different parts of the world. Uh, like I went to China to look at technology. I've been to the States looking at different ways of running our business. And there are some really good examples within Europe in terms of how you can really create a fantastic retail experience for your customers because that keeps bringing them back. You have a real passion for what you do, Brian. I mean, it really comes across and you know that the future is going to be different, that, that change is happening. And I believe just last week in your latest TV campaigns, you don't even mention fuel in it. Absolutely, because people know we're a trusted quality fuel retailer. What they don't know so much about us is that we provide a fantastic range of convenience and fresh and chilled products. We've super coffee, we've fantastic delis where we can make you what you want. And our ambition is to improve upon that. And, and in the south of Ireland, we have 36 full-off licenses, we have 36 other wine licenses, and we'd like to extend that offering into Northern Ireland at the right time. Tell me about the Homegrown Initiative as well. This is one of the nicest things I've, I've ever had to work on. Uh, like I said, I came from humble beginnings. McMullen family came from humble beginnings. And when you work with local producers who just need that little bit of luck, that little bit of opportunity to get their products into your store, this is an initiative that we ran really in the south of Ireland. And we had over 105 entries from local producers with local products to get into our stores, of which there are 72 in the south of Ireland. And we were just blown away by the quality. But, you know, you think I have passion, you should listen to these entrepreneurs. They're absolutely superb. And so we, we shortlisted six. We didn't really shortlist six. They were actually six winners. And their products are now sold across our 72 stores. And we want to bring them into Northern Ireland as well. And we're really talking to our partner there, the Henderson Group. How do we do that? And, and um, what difference has it made? What's, what feedback are you getting from these people who've just had that opportunity handed to them? One described that it's just like a shot of adrenaline in my arm. The other one is this really saved us because of cash flow and we needed to grow our sales because you know, costs have been rising uh, with the rate of inflation and you just look at bank borrowing rates and so forth. So it's nice to give something back, but this isn't a one-off. This is something we're going to invest in every year and we want to make it bigger and better in, in 2024. So we're really looking at how we do that. And I think the nice thing about business is, is how can we support those businesses which are on their journey where we were 102 years ago. And that's why it's a very, very special part of our giving something back, giving something back to the economy. You know, we don't trade outside Ireland. Every one of our investments goes back into Northern Ireland and into the Republic of Ireland. And, you know, the McMullen family take, take very small amounts of money out of the business. It's all reinvested back into the business. And that's why it's been successful. I don't want to talk about fuel for too much longer, but it would be remiss of me not to mention the prices at the minute. Obviously, we've had the war in Ukraine and all sorts of reasons have, have really hit your customers in the pocket. And, you know, the, the prices, they, they fluctuate, but, you know, they're still incredibly high. Yes. And fuel is traded globally. Uh, and it's now, if an event happens in China, or if something happens in OPEC, or if something happens within Russia, or even in terms of the inventory of stocks in, in the US, prices move up and down. Oil is actually traded in dollars, so you also have that currency factor as well. So yeah, look, it's been very challenging. And what we have seen at the start of the, the war with Ukraine by Russia 
prices were at their highest. Certainly from, from my time in this business, the most volatile, it was the most stressful period in terms of trying to manage that. And certainly consumers cut back on their usage. People normally buy by value rather than by volume. Certainly if, if you're a private customer, you buy by value. Businesses probably will stay to volume. So the outlook, you know, oil prices at the moment are about $88 a barrel. The exchange rate's about 126 So it's, it's, it's expensive. And can you do much to help your customers with this? Because, you know, you're doing so well yourself. It's, it's, it's nice to be able to pass on yeah. some help to your customer. And we have done, done that. But I think the biggest challenge in terms of the fuel price is 65 to 70% is tax. And, you know, in the south of Ireland at the moment, the duty that was taken off to help reduce prices is now starting to go back on again. And uh, that's something we're calling the government. They don't need to do that in the south of Ireland because they've got very good tax receipts, very good foreign, uh, you know, foreign investment is coming in. And they don't need to take that money because I think it's going to add to inflation and it's going to put more pressure on households who are really facing a lot of, a lot of challenges and managing their, their weekly and monthly budgets. I want to talk to you a little bit more about... Maxwell and the type of place that it is to work. You mentioned uh, when it comes to recruitment, you very much look for values and the type of person. Tell me a little bit more about why it's a great place to work. Yeah, look, people like to be respected. People don't like to be a number. Uh, And because we directly employ no more than 86 people on the island of Ireland, we're a very tight community, a very tight family ourselves. Indirectly, we support well over 1,200 people um, within within our own network. But what we look for in people is not just their ability, uh, but also how they're going to engage, how they're going to respect their colleague, how they're going to respect our retailers, how they're going to respect our partners, our, our key suppliers. And we do a lot of work. Uh, we have an internal um, sort of culture committee that look at different initiatives, different projects. How you build a, a culture really flows from the top down, but also it needs from bottom up as well. And you know, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is really our core values, of which there are five. Look, we're family. And I've already explained, you know, we work with families to run our sites. They employ people from the local community to serve people from the local community. So family's massive to us. And families experience good times, sad times, and, and celebrations. And we try to be part of that at the right time. In terms of our approach to business, look, we're very open in our style. Uh, we're, we're not going to be devious. Uh, we're going to be honorable is another big value within our business. And we also want to be a champion in terms of what, we want to be successful. We want success breeds success. And in our nature, we have to be friendly, a key value. There are tough messages that you have to give at times, but it's how you give it. Uh, and. It takes a while to for people to understand that culture. Like in terms of my time, I, I've recruited a lot of people into the business, and and those coming from some of the big corporates, the PLCs, it takes a little while for them to adjust and to adapt to our style in terms of being a family-run business. We take a longer-term view on investments, and also we try to give something back to those people who give so much to us in yeah. in terms of of how we run and drive the business. And rewarding success is really important to you whether it's at the top level or somebody who's been with you for you know from the beginning <laughs> absolutely like 
a very simple example of what we try to do. We always have an away day for a staff briefing every year. We try to pick a fun event. Uh, one of the most successful ones we did was learning how to make pizza mm, in a very nice restaurant. And you were able to come, build a team, and you created your own pizza, and it was judged. And obviously there's a little bit of fun, a little bit of red wine as well, or a little bit of white wine. Always helps. But um, no, we try to bring our people with us. And um, one of the nice things, last week we launched our, our TV campaign, Bags More. Every employee got a Bags More with a nice selection of goods that are within all of our stores. So it's a nice way of bringing people along. At Easter, Easter eggs. It's the small things that make the big difference. That's what, what I've learned. And tell me, Bags More, what's, what's that all about, the campaign? The campaign is to let people know that we're a very different business today than what we were before. We got a fantastic COVID bounce because people wanted to shop more, f- more frequently and, and local. And that introduced a whole new customer base into our stores. And also hybrid working has changed with people working from home, typically on a Monday and also on a Friday. So that's helped our business as well. And what we people know what we're good at, which is car washing and fuel and lubricants and all of those kind of traditional products that we've worked hard at for, for many, many years. But when people come into our stores, I think they'll be blown away. And those that have, have. Uh, and we have sticky customers. They stay with us because they like the experience. There's a good value offer. There's a good range. And the people appreciate them coming through the doors. And you're really investing in the stores too and really helping to turn them into works of art, really. They're absolutely beautiful, some of them. And, and we're seeing awards coming. Uh, tell us about some of the awards you've been winning. It's always nice to hear from your, from your peers uh, within your industry that you're doing well. And this has been a journey that we've been on for 102 years, and, and we still haven't got it right. Uh, it's constantly evolving. It's mm-hmm. constantly changing. And look, we've, we've won many awards. I think, for me, some of the highlights are, are the awards that we have picked up in London in terms of four-court trader awards by having the best sites in the UK and Northern Ireland, such as A26, Tannic Moor, such as Kinnaker in Hollywood. Uh, but also, on a global stage, we're now recognised as, as, as a global innovator, particularly in food service and roadside retail. In 2022, we picked up European Convenience Retailer of the Year, uh, which absolutely was tremendous. The year before that, we picked up best of the best in terms of convenience retailer. And during COVID, we picked up the highest in terms of our standards and approach to dealing with COVID. So we got three in a row. Uh, and this year, this year, we only got highly commended. <laughs> oh gosh it must have smarted a little and as I mentioned you celebrated and you mentioned to your 100th anniversary in 2020 um sadly Covid would have impacted then on the on the plans to celebrate but you you waited to this year and you did it big style we did we did in 2020 we had fantastic plans uh, and one thing that we were able to do was publish our book which is a history of the company and you have a beautiful copy just next year, but we can't see it, but it is lovely. <laughs> Our director, Noel McMullen, uh, third generation, worked very closely with, with Turtle Bunbury, who is a, a writer and historian. And they researched this for over three and a half years. They travelled the length and breadth of, of Ireland, spoke to many former colleagues, suppliers and people who were in the business, and produced this fantastic 260-page copy. But what it's about, what really inspired me about this book and how it's been put together, it's about the people in the business. 
and it's been done by decade because we all recognize certain events by decade and it's how those people were impacted during each of those decades. Uh, you know, there's 10 decades in there and, and it's full of fantastic information. And the books can be bought online or they can be bought through our stores. It is a fantastic um, gathering and it, it, it actually is the outworkings of entrepreneurship a lot of people that sit where you are, Brian, they're just starting out on their business journey. And I just wonder, you know, if we had had Mr. McMullen all those years ago, you know, would he have believed what he would have built? And and did the McMullen family feel incredibly pride, uh, proud about the, the achievements over the years? Very much so. And that's what I love very much about everyone in the family. They're very humble and they very much appreciate the position that they're in. And I think in business, you can have the best idea, but it's about timing and luck as well. And, and I think they recognize that. Uh, but one thing I'd have to say about the board um, and the McMullen family, they've invested greatly in this business. You know, since 2011, we've invested well over 200 million euros within retail. In the next five years, we're looking at investing another 100 million. And, and, and that's good for the economy, but it's good for our retail partners, it's good for our suppliers, but also it's the right thing for our customers to try to keep them coming and growing in number um, to Maxo. And how proud are you to be the CEO? Oh, I'm tickled pink. Um, you know, to be quite honest, uh, I've, I've, I feel very privileged uh, to have had the opportunity uh, to sort of head up such a successful operation, uh, really from 2015, 2016. But every day uh, since I joined, I, I've never had any problem getting up early in the morning and coming to work. I just love it. Uh, and I think it's the diversity and the range of things that you work in in a family business that you're never going to get bored. Uh, certainly you get tired at times because <laughs> there's a lot of work. Uh, but certainly I think when you work for people who respect their colleagues uh, right through the organisation, I think it's, 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 it's tremendous. And looking at that all-island story as well obviously whenever Maxwell was founded it, it was very different 1920 was before partition so I suppose we're all part of uh, the, the United Kingdom at, at that time right. and then there has been so much that has happened historically but yet you've always had that all island presence does it all feel like one island or does it feel very different north and south? No, to be honest, we've always looked at our business as, as an all-island business. Uh, we were one of the first businesses uh, to actually integrate our management teams and to consolidate to a single head office. And the reason why you do that is the market is, it's, it's quite a small market, so you need to drive the economies of scale that are available to you. And we did it during, before the peace process. And I have to say, some conversations were challenging. But look, where we are today, it's a completely different business. Uh, everyone respects everybody else. We all come together. We celebrate together. And indeed, our, our top retailers from, from 2022 are all going to be entertained on Pars Court as a thank you from the business. Uh, you know, because they work particularly hard. 16-hour days, seven days a week, three, six, five days. It's important that we recognise that and, and say thank you. Absolutely. Now, the final question I usually put to the entrepreneur himself, but seeing as uh, William McMullen is, is not here and we don't have a family representative, I wonder if you could answer this one for us. It's really to uh, encourage entrepreneurs out there 
or maybe people who want to grow their business. So what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? If you have the right idea and you're confident about your idea and you've researched your idea, you need to take it to the next step in, in, in sort of trying to develop what's your business plan? What really is your unique selling point against competitors in that sector? Or perhaps there aren't competitors in that sector. It might be a new piece of technology that's going to simplify or streamline our lives. You just look at FinTech in terms of the big successes there. Our training has always been you need to have a detailed business plan. You need to have your cash flows. You need to know how you're going to grow that business step by step. Don't be frightened to take advice. Look for a mentor. Look for someone who has been successful in business or go to some of the government agencies who are well-funded with great skills and who have that knowledge who can bring you through the next steps. Um, like my view has always been the more people that you can bring in to discuss an idea or to challenge an idea or to look at better ways of doing it means there'll be fewer mistakes as you go through your journey. So be open, tell it as it is. And as I said, in our business, we feel a little bit of luck has been part of our success as well. So every business needs that little bit of luck and timing at the right place, the right time and with the right support. And I suppose even within a business, you're looking for those bright sparks, those entrepreneurs to help the Maxwell Group. Very much so. And, and the stronger and better your business does, the stronger and better people that you're going to attract. Because uh, people want to be part of a success story. And in the early days, I can remember we worked for Plato Ireland and Plato Belfast. And this is where our business was seen as a reasonably medium-sized business to help those startups. And that's what we brought in, our finance people, our marketing people, our logistics supply people, or even our IT people, to give something back. And, and that's always been my view. Uh, the McMullen family have always encouraged me to give my time voluntary. That's why I sit on different trade organizations, different bodies, because you learn, but you also get something from that as well, and you give something back. Investing in yourself and, and continuously learning. Brian Donaldson, CEO of the Maxall Group. It has been a pleasure having you in the Public Eye podcast hot seat, if you like, today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.